Amen. Very, very excited that the teens are back from camp. Love the video. Especially loved one of our counselors. Guess which one? You have to picture long dreads. Tanny Glenn. You can't miss Tanny Glenn. And great to see Nigel, our boyfriend here. And of course, and not to be outdone, we have a lot of preteens and young teens that are ready for camp. Isn't that right? I guess not. I'm sorry. I guess for you guys, camp is called off. Are they not in the room? Oh, they're in class. Well, I talked to a bunch of them coming up the staircase. They're going, I can't wait. I can't wait. Why do we even have to go to church? Can't we go now? So the words impudence, shamelessness, audacity are not words we normally associate with going before God and standing before God. We don't believe that these words are associated with acceptable behavior for anyone, let alone God. I mean, personally, I have a hard time imagining going before God and asking for anything except in total humility, in awe and submission. And I don't know about you, but I think many of us are in exactly the same way. I mean, you know, so I have the title, Shameless Audacious Prayer. Who would even suggest that? Who would teach that? Who in the Bible would even be there? Because it seems so rude. It seems reckless. To have a prayer like that. Isn't that right? Doesn't that seem that way? Well, turn over to uh, Luke chapter 11. Let's figure out who dared say this. Luke chapter 11 and verse 5. We start out with a prayer. Now, this is Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. John the Baptist was teaching his disciples how to pray. What's, what's a little funny about this prayer? Well, let's read the prayer. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Seems a bit odd because this was three months approximately before the cross. These disciples had been, these apostles had been with Jesus for nearly three years. And they're asking him now how to pray. Did they not know how to pray? I guess they knew something was missing. Teach us how to pray. Something's missing in our prayer. We, we don't know what's missing, but... Something's missing. I mean, John taught his disciples how to pray. We need you to teach us how to pray. Now, of course, it's not as if Jesus never taught on prayer. I mean, they, they saw Jesus pray all the time. They knew how Jesus prayed. But they knew deep down inside there was more to it than what they understood. And so that's why they were asking him, please teach us how to pray. Now, Jesus' prayer here seems very simple. And basic, what are the two things we see in this prayer? We see adoration. Father, hallowed be thy name, which means holy. Hallowed is just another word for holy. Holy be thy name. We see adoration here. And we see supplication. Give us this day our daily bread, which to be quite honest, when I pray this prayer, I feel a bit embarrassed. 
because we throw out food every day. I have too much food. And so I'm a bit embarrassed about that. I know it doesn't just mean bread. It means everything else. But I feel like I have in excess. I don't, you know, I, I pray the prayer because I know there's a lot that I need that I don't see. But there's supplication here. Forgive us. Give us. Forgive us. Lead us not into temptation. Now, Jesus, of course, could have ended his teaching on prayer here, but he didn't. He goes on quite a bit on prayer after this. So there was more to teach than just these words. There was an attitude to teach. There was a, a heart to teach. There was a, a how to pray to teach. How to approach God in prayer to teach that they didn't get, they didn't understand. So Jesus starts out this teaching on prayer with a simple prayer like this, but then he goes on to the heart. He goes on and he, he decides to put it in the context of a parable. As he did so often, he used earthly terms, earthly things that we can understand to describe a spiritual reality that's far deeper than even the words could describe. But let's read that parable so that we can really get into the essence of what Jesus is teaching us, taught them and teaching us on how we need to pray, not just the words, but, but how we need to pray. So let's, let's keep reading. In verse 5, he goes on. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight, a little rude going to him at midnight, but suppose you have a friend, you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed, so I can't get up. And give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. This guy said, I can't get up. Is that true? I can't get up? I've fallen and I can't get up. No, he said he can't because of situations that we cannot conceive of unless you've grown up in Africa or a place that is in utter poverty. You'll, you'll never fully appreciate what he's talking about here. But in most of the world at that time and in maybe a third of the world, they live in very simple one room houses. And these rooms are not very big. They're mainly, mainly made out of a dirt floor and dirt walls and whatever they can put together for a roof. And what they do is they, they have a platform on one end of the room where they can sleep because, of course, all the animals are sleeping in there with you. So because you can't afford a corral, so you put the animals in the house with you. So the animals are on the lower level and, and then you're kind of on a platform in that room. It's not a two story room. But you have a platform there. So you're all sleeping together on one mattress or straw or whatever it is that they can figure out. And so literally they're all under one sheet. They're all in one mattress. And so he says, I can't because he's already locked the door and he doesn't want to wake up his kids. So he says, I can't because he'd have to disturb the whole family. So he got up and give this guy any bread. So. Did he get the bread? Was it about the friendship? That's surprising. 
It wasn't about the friendship. It was about what? Why did, why did the guy get the bread? How did the guy get the bread? What happened here? The, the friend that was asking for the bread was so shameless, was so audacious, reckless, impudent, importune, shameless, that the guy got up. Now, how'd that affect the friendship? But did it matter to the one asking for the bread? Was he thinking about the friendship? No, he was thinking about the need. Well, what about the other guy's need about being asleep with his family? What about his need? See, this is an important question. Because this deals with our relationship with God in prayer. So we've got to figure out this question. What about the guy in bed with his family? What about his need? It didn't matter to the guy with the request. He ignored the need. He ignored the friendship. He ignored his friend and the relationship that could be put on the line. And he demanded for the bread. He kept knocking and saying, no, I need this. I need this. You're going to give me this bread. I'm going for it. He was reckless. He was rude. He was impudent. He was shameless. You don't do that waking up all the neighbors. Guy was angry, got up, gave him the bread. So what's the teaching here? What's going on here? What is Jesus teaching us about prayer? What he's teaching us is pretty much the opposite of how we normally pray. I'm not saying it's wrong to bow down to God. He is the Lord Creator, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the ruler of all creation. He knows all. We know nothing. I'm not saying that. We're talking about prayer. Talking about prayer. How we normally pray is total submission. I'm not saying submission is wrong. Total awe. And I'm not saying awe is wrong. It is right. But we don't want to inconvenience anyone in prayer. We don't, certainly don't want to offend God. We certainly don't want to go to Him with our demands. And so we don't pray in the way Jesus taught His apostles to pray. We've come up with our own, I call it, professional prayer life. Where we have it down to an art of profession. We have our standard of how we approach it. We have our emotions that we may or may not use. We have our goals in prayer. And we pray our prayer and then we get off our knees and then go about our day. I don't get that from this parable. I don't know about you. But I just don't get that from this parable. You know, let's look at the Greek here for a minute. Because the New Testament was originally written in Greek. A little Hebrew, a little Aramaic, but mostly Greek. So go back to the Greek word here. And the Greek word is anidia. Anidia. 
Now, that Greek word is very seldom used in the New Testament. In fact, I could only find, I say seldom because I don't know the truth to this question. I looked for this word in the New Testament. I could only find it once. It was here. This word, when you hear the meaning of this word, it's going to maybe blow your mind a little bit. Because, again, this is how Jesus is teaching us to pray. So, anidia here, this shameless audacity, means it deals with the attitude. First of all, it's talking about our attitude, this word, this Greek word, anidia. It means recklessness, audacity, shamelessness. Here's another definition. And this is from the Greek lexicon definition. Recklessness or total disregard for the person you are making a request from. That's rather mind-blowing. And that's exactly the word Jesus used to describe how we need to pray to God. You want that definition again? Recklessness. Audacity. Shamelessness, recklessness, or total disregard for the person you are making a request from. That word was used perfectly in that parable. Because that's what we see the friend doing with his other friend. He put the relationship on the line. He had total disregard for the guy in bed with his kids and his family. He had total disregard for the fact that he was going to wake him up. He was probably waking him up with the pounding to begin with. Total disregard for the door being locked. And he said, this is what I need and this is what I'm getting. And I'm not leaving till I get your bread. Now, how would that look like for us in prayer? Let's compare that with how we pray normally. I mean, I, when I studied this out, I thought, I feel like I'm, I'm studying out false doctrine. I feel like I'm being told to preach something that isn't true. Or that I shouldn't be saying. When I started praying this way, I felt awkward. I'm like... I shouldn't be praying this way because I'm so programmed for just utter respect for God. And I do respect God. Again, I'm not saying not that. But but in prayer, Jesus is teaching something different about prayer. He's teaching a heart about prayer that's radically different than how we normally operate. And so I felt really awkward with this. The, The definition goes on and says, one who knows no restraint. The next word it uses is rude. One who is rude in his requests. It goes on to say one who is reckless and imprudent in his relationship with others. Last thing in the world I want to be is reckless with God. But I guess in prayer, Jesus is saying, this is what's important. You believe in God. You've submitted to God. Jesus is Lord. You've repented of your sins. You've been baptized into Christ. And you are following Christ as Lord. But in prayer, this is what God's looking for. 
Wow, that blows me away. English versions of the Bible have trouble with this word anidia. They have trouble with it. This is how they, 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 different English versions do it this way. Imprudence. You know what imprudence means? I'm going to read you the definition of imprudence. Some versions say, because of the man's imprudence, he got everything he needed. Impudence. I'm sorry, impudence. Not imprudence. Impudence. Because of the man's impudence, he was given everything he needed. This is what the word impudence means. It means not showing due respect for another person. Not showing due respect for another person. Marked by contemptuous or cocky boldness or disregard for others. Wow! (laughs) Imagine that prayer. That's a pretty bold prayer. Some versions in English use the word shamelessness. Shamelessness means insensitive to disgrace. Wow. Some versions use audacity. Audacity means bold or arrogant disregard of normal restraints. So in prayer, God is looking for something different than the norm. He's looking for something different than normal life. He's looking for bold, audacious, impudent, shameless, reckless. Going to God like this. I'm not leaving till I got what I want. That ought to shake up your prayer life. Sure is shaking up my prayer life. Wow. The, the Amplified Version says, He will not get up and supply him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his shameless persistence and insistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. The ESV says, Yet because of his impudence, he will rise up and give him whatever he needs. The Good News Bible says, Because you are not ashamed to keep on asking, you will get everything you need. The message says, if you stand your ground, knocking and waking up all the neighbors, you'll finally get what you need. Most versions like the King James and the Geneva Bible, which I haven't heard uh, other than Joe reading from the Geneva Bible. Don't believe anybody else has read from that. Number two, I'm going to read from the Geneva Bible. It says, yet doubtless because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as much as he needs. Most of the older versions use the word importunity. Importunity seems to be an archaic word. It's a really great word. It means that you're unable to port. You're not able to port your ship. In other words, there's a hurricane going on. There are waves. There are rocks. Something's going on, so it's impossible. So Jesus is saying, you need to pray to him. I'm sorry, God. You need to pray to God as if it's impossible. But God's going to make it possible. You know, the, the uh, Orthodox Jewish Bible says because of his consistent, persistent importunity, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, I didn't look it up in the Yiddish Bible, if there is a Yiddish Bible. But my guess, if there is a Yiddish Bible, it's going to say because of the man's chutzpah. Because of the man's chutzpah, he got everything he needed. How's your chutzpah and your prayer? What is Jesus teaching? I guess it's not about friendship. I guess it's about us. I guess it's about our attitude before God of asking everything we want, everything we need, and insisting on it. And then just keep 
asking and asking the same way you asked the first time and then the next time and then the next time as if it's the first time you're demanding. And you never, never, never give up. And Jesus is saying to do that in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Yeah. (laughs) Forgive us our debts. Yeah. Yeah. So often we leave prayer, I hope. No, God says you need to get up out of prayer going, yeah. We had it out. Jesus is Lord. God is everything. I am totally submissive. I am utterly in awe. And I'm demanding to our great God and my Father, because my Father's bigger than your Father, and I'm talking to Him. And He's going to give it to me. What happened to the stained glass language there? Oh's and ah's and who's and thou's and these and God's looking for your soul, your heart, your guts, your courage, your tenacity, your faith, never given up. You know, the Bible says life is a test. Your faith needs to be tested. I guess our prayers need to be tested by what we're going to do with them. How much we believe in them and how much we're going to demand from them and how long we're going to go with them. That's what God's looking for in prayer. You mean He's not going to punish this audacious, shameless behavior? No, He's not going to punish it. He's going to reward it. You know, we are God's children. You know, when children want ice cream... Everybody's like, oh, Lord, Lord. I guess we can all relate to that when children want ice cream, unless you're not a parent and you're a child. It's like, yeah, I know what ice cream is. I mean, you know, if you're a teen, it's like, yeah, what's the problem here? I want ice cream. What's the issue here? You know, the truth is there is no issue, except for the fact it might have sugar in it. But aside from that, this is the attitude we need with our father. We are still kids, aren't we kids? We've just been kids for a whole lot longer than our kids. But we're still kids. We're all kids. And so what kind of a relationship do you have with the Father? Oh, Dad, oh, you know, please, can I please have ice cream? Can we please go to Disney? Please, please, please. I mean, you know, kids then get sophisticated when they get to be teens. And they don't do the please, please. They do other things. Oh, well... I'll do that if we do that. (laughs) They become negotiators. They read our faces. They know when to come in and when to back off. But they know when to come in and they know how to get you. Well, Dad said. I mean, how is a mom supposed to say no to that? Well, Dad said. Dad's my friend. Will you be? (laughs) Let's go back to the kid wanting ice cream. That's what God wants. 
He, he doesn't want to negotiate. He doesn't want, the, are you my friend? He wants just that honest, authentic, pleading, begging, insisting. We're still kids. God is our Father. The Father, 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 Father. And we're just humble, innocent, sort of. <laughs> In certain ways, very innocent because we don't understand heaven. We need a lot. And that's what we're to do. Wow. That just blows me away. God is not too busy. God is not too busy to hear your pleads. He is not too distracted to hear you go on and on and on in prayer. Now, we know it's not the words that count. We know it's the heart that counts. You're not heard because of your many words, but you will be heard because of your impudent heart. You are going to be heard because of that shameless request. You are going to be heard because of that boldness that never, never, never gives up. Oh yeah, that's what He's looking for. Our Father can do anything. You know, the study, again, when, when you prepare sermons, you get so convicted because it's like, wow, you know, when I first read this, it was so mind-blowing. And then I'm like, it's not my prayer life. I mean, I think I'm way too, of, too much of an adult. I think I'm way too professional. I've taken away that kid demands with that loving heart. It's not like the kid doesn't love his dad. The kid's saying, can I please have ice cream? Because the kid knows the dad loves him. The kid loves the dad. There's a relationship there that gives the kid permission to do this. If the kid was beaten down all the time, the kid would be like, I'm not going there. Why do we act that way? I'm not going there. We need to be like those kids. Amen? Amen. No obstacles. God is sovereign. I just wanted to share some powerful prayers of some powerful people. So, next slide. Prayer examples. Samson, what was his prayer? By the way, it's the only time in the entire book of Judges that Samson prayed, by the way. He prayed one time. When did he pray? When he was about to die. What did he pray? He said the prayer. God didn't give an answer, but what did he do? He pushed. I'd call that pretty audacious. He had wrecked his life. He had ruined everything. He was a Nazarite. He just completely disregarded that. Utter disgrace for the position that he was and how God was working in his life. But he had the biggest military victory of all time in Israel by a single individual. That's how much God honored his request. Even though he was, his life was a wreck. God honored his request because it was bold. It was audacious. Reckless. He died because of that prayer. But God still honored it. How about David? Do we have any evidence in the Bible that God spoke to David saying, yeah, you need to go after that guy. I will be with you. Any evidence of that? No, no evidence. What did David do? David was cocky. He had a cocky face. A little reckless there, wouldn't you say? Goliath and little David. Isn't that a little reckless? Isn't that a little audacious? A little shameless there. I mean, couldn't even wear armor. That's a little shameful, you know. But 
hey, David said, I'm going for it, and God's going to do this. And he slung that, and Goliath went down, and everybody cheered. That should be our prayer life. How about the Syrophoenician woman? Jesus said, it is not right to do what you were requesting. Jesus said no. He even said it's not right to do what you're requesting. I wasn't even sent to do this. So you basically, you're wrong in requesting this because this is not my mission. What happened in the end? She got what she wanted. Why? She was audacious. She was bold. She was a little reckless there with the Son of God. But when God saw her faith and He saw her boldness, He said yes. He changed His mind. God says, my mind never changes. Well, Jesus is dead because of this woman's faith and boldness. Wow, that's inspiring. Bartimaeus, the blind man. When he was screaming for Jesus to heal him, what did everybody say around him? Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! That's in the Bible? Well, I don't know about that word, but in today's vernacular, you know, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. What did the guy do? Listen to the crowd? Was he trying to make friends? Trying to make friends? Oh, I better do what you're asking. I just want to fit in. I just want my prayer to fit in with everybody else's. No, he's like, no, I don't care about you. I don't care about you. I want Jesus. I want him now. And he's going to heal me. And God said, that's the kind of man I'm looking for. That's the kind of prayer I'm looking for. He healed him right on the spot. The bleeding woman. Was it a prayer? She didn't even say the words. But I knew what she was thinking. And I was pretty bold to her. She got healed right on the spot. Jesus didn't even know who he healed. Like, who did I heal? <laughs> Joshua. What did Joshua do? He told God, do not let the sun set until this battle is over. Until we are victorious. Victorious? Victorious. Well, it sounded right. Victorious. Victorious. Now, when was the last time you asked the sun to stay up? But that's the kind of prayer God is asking for. That bold, determined prayer. Wow. I'm inspired. What a joy it is to have a father that loves us so much, that trusts us so much, that has such a deep relationship with us that we can just go and be reckless and shameless and audacious and importune and rude. And He just loves it. He just loves it. And He goes, that's my woman. That's my woman. That's my man, and I'm listening. Let's learn to pray the way Jesus taught us how to pray, and not some stained glass building. And let's go to God in full confidence and righteousness that He will hear us. And because of our importune prayer and our shameless audacity, we'll answer our request. Amen.